0: Welcome to Centering, the Asian-American Christian podcast. Each week, we explore questions of faith, community, and identity. This is Jessica Chen and I'm your host for this season as we dive into issues of mental and relationship health. Thank you for joining us. Well, today, I am delighted to have Natasha Sabadia with us. She is an Associate Marriage and Family Therapist, And uh, today's conversation, we are talking about moving from a culture of shame to compassion. And this season, we've, you know, talked a lot about whether it was with the church, with mental health stigma, with family relationships, all sorts of things. And I think a lot of us get the sense and are aware that shame is a huge part of some of our cultural heritage. And so we're we're having this final season episode with Natasha today. So welcome, Natasha. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So we would love to hear about who you are and your journey to becoming a therapist. Tell us more.
1: Yeah, I can tell you a little bit. Um, I So I'm a recent graduate of the MFT's Fuller program. Growing up, I mean, I kind of uh, life revolved around music and sports, and and then undergrad I ended up pursuing um, a degree in music. But you know, during my time in music, you know, some of the experiences uh, were under or underlying those experiences. I guess were you know certain challenges I was facing, whether it would be kind of themes of perfectionism, of performance anxiety, and and so I I think I had a lot in my radar of like the relationship of. Self to the music, or relationship I had, or basically, I guess that that integration between psychology and music. And then I, you know, I just had the opportunity to then use, you know, my music degree at that time um, overseas and working at a community arts center, you know, and teaching music. I again, I love. I didn't mind the teaching, but I had so much of this heart for like relationships and the stories with the local community, and then along that, just the whole cultural identity piece. What does it mean as a Chinese Indonesian American living overseas in China, where so much of my heritage has come from? Um, so that cultural identity piece, I think, was such a valuable piece of my experience. But. That really got me curious and really interested in this engagement of ourselves with our experiences in our life and you know our everyday living. Mm. Yeah, and then coming back to the states, I think again I was involved in music teaching in classroom and privately, but again I think what uh, brought me alive was thinking about again music in relationship to the students themselves and the dynamics that we are cultivating in the choir room, and so. It was a lot of, I guess, concurrent work, again, mm-hmm. of things I was experiencing in my career and things I was experiencing also in my personal journey that helped me realize I think I was a lot more passionate, I think, about the relationships, like connecting to the heart of the person. Yeah. So I would just say that's probably a
0: general like journey into why I chose, ended up choosing therapy. Yeah, that's great. I, mean, I think a lot of us who are inclined to relationships and we – know that this field exists it seems like this natural segue into the career yeah. i know you have talked a bit about your experience in ministry and and some of that too in the church growing up mm-hmm. i guess when you were making the decision to pursue the therapy field what was support or knowledge like from your christian context that allowed for you to pursue Therapy.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's a good question because I would say it was very minimal. Mm -hmm. Um, There wasn't a lot of conversation, at least for me in the immigrant church, about therapy. So uh, even the understanding of therapy as a vocation or a career was not something that was at the forefront of my mind until, you know, I was considering switching careers. So it was very new. But I think uh, as far as even just the stigma about therapy, there were just not a lot of conversation about spaces outside the church or spaces outside the family to talk about our personal lives, talk about hardships. What have, what are things that are weighing heavily in our lives? You know, unfortunately the church, sometimes we we kind of bar away from having these conversations or it's just so busy. There's so much uh, events or activities that that just don't allow for space for us to be talking about you know personal struggles or or at least getting to the depths of that um, mm. and, and creating space yeah uh, for stories to be held in the mm-hmm. church so I think that really got me interested in in saying okay in what ways can we start transforming those communities if we so have a heart to still remain connected to the immigrant church mm. and now we have education about it um, how can we interview the work that we're
0: doing outside and bring it in to ministry? Yes. Yeah. yeah, great. So what you're talking about, Natasha, is a great segue into our conversation today. The relationship that we as Asian American Christians have with shame. What are your thoughts about that? What's your experience? Personally, for me, um,
1: even just recently, having to work through a shame narrative and realizing actually shame has existed in my life for so many years, and it, that it's taken me quite a long time in my life to finally be able to unpack it and 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 name it, and then be able to 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 move into a direction of restoration. Uh, with the specific narrative, but I realized that shame actually exists in so many of our narratives. And I guess the relationship to us as Asian Americans is everybody has a story, whether it's deeply ingrained in this immigrant story and 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 how we make sense of it in our own lives or some of our experiences in our homes. you know, there's just so many different narratives, right? Um, or the culture of process and maybe, how shame manifested in that area because shame is often the, the story we tell about ourselves when we experience something right whereas it, so it's it's a it's an identity thing and oftentimes we aren't able to differentiate between identity and the experience so the experience becomes something that we tell of ourselves so I guess it plays such a huge role.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that distinction you're making. And I hope it's, you know, I I think it will be very helpful for our listeners, the difference between experience and self-identity, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I think people maybe know that generalization about shame, where shame is what we believe about ourselves, right? Like I am bad, not just I did something that was harmful or hurtful but that no something is inherently wrong with me i'm not either good enough or but we let's say like i hear this a lot in in my current position at my job i failed this exam i'm a mm-hmm. failure yeah <laughs> right and so no i appreciate that distinction you made
1: yeah and in what ways for example in youth ministry if a student comes to you and says ah oh, i you know i was in this last uh, match a volleyball game and I came in and I actually lost the point for our team we lost and the student is devastated and he says to himself I'm a failure I can't get over my shame you know are we are we actually creating space to talk about the experience itself what what might the youth be learning about himself through this process what might you know and in, in what ways can we use it, I guess, as a, as a learning experience and then de-identify or separate it from the person um, Mm -hmm. themselves? Yeah. I just, it's a, it's a, it's a conversation that needs to keep going.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's a really helpful example. And I think about, I mean, you're sort of reminding me of some narrative therapy work, right? Mm -hmm. Where, uh, and this is a great Theoretical perspective, I think, for Asian Americans, in that there's so much personalizing that happens when we feel shame, mm-hmm. where this thing that's happening, it's it's about me and I'm the one who made it happen, or I'm the person to blame. And just like you're saying, it's easy to get stuck there, mm-hmm. but what you're mentioning is creating space to really explore that and and expand the perception and, and maybe shift. Perspectives, and I imagine that that in itself would help change how people experience themselves. Yeah. 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 So, in your experience, how do you see shame manifesting and showing up? Or how does it impact our relationships?
1: Hmm. Yeah, I think shame actually manifests in so many places and more places than not. I mean, we have our bodies, even our minds, our sense of uh, life, our sense of self. Um, And then when I think about it, actually impacting relationships, I mean, shame oftentimes, it leads to us wanting to withdraw, leads to a sense of isolation. So we want to separate ourselves from others it's almost like a coping mechanism, right? We want to disconnect from others because it keeps us safe Mm. and it protects us for a reason. So the shame manifests in so many areas, but I think relationally, especially, it removes us from healthy communion with the other, uh, from a healthy type of fellowship that I think we can have when we can let down certain barriers. And of course, barriers, again, are there to protect us, but in what ways when we actually deconstruct that shame Can we then bridge a healthy or have
0: a just a beautiful connection with another person, our brother, our sister, our family? Yes, to all of that. And I, you know, I think most of us, when shame sort of shows up, it's hard to see it and hard to notice how it impacts us and and the relationships that we want to have. But you know maybe it's helpful for this episode for us to talk about what are helpful ways to work through shame cuz you know with the season we've talked about how it can show up in addiction and dating marriage and all of that but what are some mm-hmm. thoughts that you have about that
1: Yeah I think the first thing that comes to mind is you know when the timing is right to pursue therapy and again I think we've been talking about destigmatizing but it's this idea of softly working through your narrative, and oftentimes we really just need that safe space, a space where you can feel held to unmask and work through some of that woundedness from our lives. Um, we think about deep woundedness from childhood and how how much that needs a lot of tender tender care, Be able to ask questions about, you know, what is it in your life that you've experienced that have caused you to tell yourself these shame messages that. I'm not enough like you mentioned earlier, I'm a failure. I I'm a huge mistake. Those are really hard words. And, and to have that much self-criticism is again, it's 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 a weight that I think needs to be carried with with care. Mm. And 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 then as you deconstruct to to still be gentle in that space.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think a lot of it too is just time, time for you to have to be introspective. And again, I think oftentimes in our busy lives, we want to just keep going on to the next thing and fill up our space. But in what ways can we just take pauses in our in our own lives, right? And, mm. and to recognize what those barriers are, what what keeps us from living fully free and liberated lives. Mm. Um, I really think, I mean, as we obviously, we, we think about the integration of faith in psychology, you know, the Lord, John ten ten, right? Like he comes so we can have life and life to the full. And so how can we connect that to our life experience, a connectedness to our life? Yeah. And, and I guess, I don't know, even thinking about the Advent season right now, right? He came to dwell with us. And so as we walk alongside, uh, as he walks alongside in our woundedness, I would anticipate that he also walks alongside in our journey towards restorative healing and mm. hope and this new life uh, fully infiltrated with I guess self-compassion right mm-hmm. a compassion towards ourselves as the Lord has compassion to us and others
0: that that was very beautiful <laughs> I I think what you shared Natasha is so significant and some words I, I just jotted down you said our presence space and time mm-hmm. and as you were saying that what came to my mind is you know I I think it's safe to assume, at least with a lot of Asian-American families, maybe recent immigration or not, there's not a lot of time, presence, and space in the family growing up. Parents are are busy because they've got to earn money and support the family. Parents didn't know how to be present and, and give space to children to have conversation, right? I can't The number of times that people have said to me, I don't really talk with my parents. I just, they talk at me, right, Mm -hmm. growing up. And so the very things that are critical and beneficial for us examining our shame, this presence, this space, this introspection, Mm -hmm. I would say a lot of us were not in an environment that taught us how to do those things. So I just love that you highlighted that. One thing I was also thinking about is like what what's our response when we feel shame to make it go away, right? Yeah. Go away, stop. I don't want to feel that. And then, you know, one of our episodes, Roy Kim talking about addiction, like that's a function and he works a lot with shame. And so what you're suggesting here is maybe we need to seriously consider how do we use our time? How are we present with ourselves? so that we can really examine what's going on.
1: Yeah, cultivating spaces. And you highlight so much about the family. And this is where I think a part of now having a lot more knowledge or encouragement to step into that territory. Are we educating each other? Are we starting with one member in the family cultivating that in that space? And then eventually relationships start to form that are, that kind of bring in healthy self-concepts with one another. And then and then expanding towards the family and can you imagine if that's the conversation we're having in the church how we're building these these relationships and transparency or authenticity and in our in our conversations about even shame right yeah um in in those spaces as well yeah
0: Well, I'm wondering, Natasha, what do you think the role is of our families and our churches in this process of working through shame? I think
1: I almost imagine that it's time for us to actually talk about it in the church. Hmm. Um, How does it manifest? I think the role of relationships, families, communities, churches in this process, it almost seems like the, the first thing to do is just to start talking about it, to bring it up in those spaces um, to actually get a sense of, I, I almost think that this, this word like mutuality first of being able to, when you're talking about it in these spaces, there's almost this common ground that all of us are kind of working towards restorative process in our own personal lives and in re- relationships with one another. And how healthy would it be if we can actually have those conversations?
0: Yeah, and I think when we have them, it just normalizes it, right? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, I think one of those things that's so powerful is shame is so private and internal and isolating. Mm-hmm. And once we realize clinically, research wise, every Asian Americans, this is part of what we encounter. This is normal. And how do we talk through it? So, yeah. yes, I think, you know, having our church leaders, pastors, and you know, parents and families bringing it up. Mm -hmm. It's a great idea.
1: And can I say that it's, it is not an easy task because it's actually very risky. Um, Yeah. If we think about even our culture alone, who wants to unveil parts of ourselves um, that's very vulnerable and that's very revealing of parts of us, even if that means brokenness, but at the same time, I think the Lord wants us to show up in our brokenness as well. So it's Mm -hmm. almost coupling that brokenness with our courage to, to almost fall forward or or present ourselves Mm -hmm. um, in our own real ways. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, we promised listeners, we would talk about (laughs) this piece about compassion. And I think that's, that's a challenge for our communities. What do you think our listeners can know about moving from shame to self compassion?
1: Hmm. I think, I think we all need (laughs) self-compassion. I think we oftentimes talk about compassion towards others. And I, I believe that's such a, a virtue that we all, as, as Christians, we, we moving towards an embodiment. Right. Um, But we often neglect, I think that piece of self-compassion is, is can we actually be gentle to ourselves? Um, You know, I think our world now talks a lot about kindness, but in, in ways, in what ways can we actually be kind and be gracious to ourselves in in the, the message we send to ourselves? In yeah, in what ways can I guess? I guess the word soft comes up in our mind because we know naturally we're gonna go forth and we're gonna do hard work and we're gonna you know want to uh, be excellent in our pursuits. But can we also couple that with with gentleness? <laughs> um, yeah. So I actually feel like. Is self-compassion is such like a necessary and um, important component of our lives. Um, I think about it in our mental capacity, in our spiritual sense of self, our physical, emotional, healthy, overall well being. right? You just imagine when self-compassion infl- infiltrates in those spaces, how much we can uh, almost be lifted to another level in what we do. Yeah. And I guess the other thing too is again, if we embody that virtue of compassion, uh, in whatever location we find ourselves in, I think we must be willing to be gentle to ourselves, right. Um, to, to seek self-compassion and that it's not self-pity or pride. It's actually almost a humility that we could look at ourselves in, in that, that state of needing, mm. um, needing the love and the grace and the, yeah. the, the, compassionate, love of the Lord. Mm, in our
0: lives. Yeah. 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 That, you know, I love that you connected gentleness with compassion because like, you know, with the students and physicians I work with, if I say let's develop self-compassion, everyone's like, ah, uh, what does that look like or feel like? Mm-hmm. If we suggest, let's see if we can be gentle with ourselves, right? It actually feels a little more concrete. Like, oh, that inner talk I do, that's not gentle. That's quite critical. Mm-hmm. What might it sound like if I said something that was gentle toward myself? So yeah. I think that's a wonderful tool is to encourage all of us to consider how, what is the language that we speak to ourselves with? Is it yeah. with gentle, gentleness? And yeah, so thank you. That That's a really helpful idea.
1: I always think of like a playback. Like if we were to play back an audio recording of the messages, <laughs> we send to ourselves versus the message we send to others. Is it fair? Are we gracious to, we, to ourselves in the same way that we we demonstrate to other people? So I, I almost feel like that's a good challenge for me, especially too, to, to notice the, the thoughts that we send, you know, the messages yes. that we send to ourselves.
0: Yeah. Um, actually, if I can just suggest to readers, there's this really wonderful website, self dash compassion.org right yeah Kristen neff yes 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 yes, yes, dr neff um she has these great exercises and that first one is similar to what you said is how would you treat a friend Mm -hmm. so would you say to your friend the things that you say to yourself right yeah it's a great place to to be building some of those skills
1: yeah actually cameron lee from dr cameron lee from the fuller program he's the one that first introduced me to Krista Neff, and that really just started my journey of understanding and unpacking compassion, Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, beautiful, Uh, she has written some beautiful things.
0: Well, Natasha, thank you so much for taking the time to chat today, you know, one of the things I'm really encouraged by, and you know, we hoped that on this season it showed up, We had a number of guests who have been clinicians for a while in the field with different types of expertise. But we also had a number of, whether recent graduates or people from different walks of life who maybe aren't practicing clinicians. But expertise is not about just knowledge formal knowledge and clinical experience. It's also about life experience and and what each of us has gone through. And so I'm just really grateful that you were willing to share about your own life experiences and encourage our listeners today who are maybe, you know, younger folks who are figuring out where they want to go. So thank you so much for your time.
1: Mm, Thank you so much just for this opportunity to share. I, I feel very privileged and honored to have the space. So thank you. And yeah, hopefully we can all continue this conversation in our, again, our lived experiences to move towards recognizing shame is there. uh, Yet we seek after self-compassion and living compassionate lives. Yeah. How beautiful would that be if we can continue that in our, in the spaces that we, we fill.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Natasha.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day.
0: Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Centering the Asian American Christian Podcast. This episode was edited by Alexander Cathedral and produced by Jason Chu with music by Mark Redito. We'll see you next time and hope that you remember God loves all of you.